0: I am, uh, my name is Monty, I'm one of our pastors here, I'm super excited that you would brave a little bit of snow, a little bit of sleet, I was telling a couple, God blesses those who seek him, and God blesses those doubly who will seek him through snow, so expect a good day, expect a very good day, we, uh, I'm going to say it real quick shout out to anybody that's new, if this is your first time at Meadows Church, I love saying it, welcome home, we're so excited that you're here, and would love to connect with you after the service, man, I I, and you picked a great weekend. We are start a series today called "Timeless." Say "Timeless," 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 because I, I, I and I guess we live in a trendy world, is what I want to say. We live in a trendy world, don't we? And I I don't want to brag but I will. Um, I'm kind of a trendsetter. And I, you know, like skinny jeans, skinny jeans are kind of a trendy thing, right? Now skinny jeans, I was, I was creating skinny jeans before skinny jeans were even a thing. And some, yeah, I was. Manufacturers weren't even doing it, but I was, and some of you are going to relate to this, but I remember in high school, we'd we'd pin these babies over, you know, or we'd tuck them and roll them. You know what I'm saying? Trendsetter. Say trendsetter. Thank you. I was. Yes. And it was amazing. What, but, but trends come and trends go. Fashion, music, clothing, like we're talking about. Um, technology. Technology is a huge trend. I Think of the cell phone. Um, the cell phone today is, is, I mean, is a smartphone. You know the smartphone's only been around really for about a dozen years. Think about that. This, just the smartphone for a dozen years. And the cell phone really for about maybe 20, and uh, the Spirit of the Lord is in this place. See what he's doing? It's amazing. His power, unbelievable. So yeah, so, but the cell phone, think about this for a second. Some of you don't remember this, but if you look at the evolution of a cell phone, the cell phones used to be like bricks. I mean, it wasn't just a phone. You could beat people with it. You could hurt them. You, you put them out, right? They might, so there's something to be said about that, but there's something about the last cell phone I had before I got a smartphone, which was just a few years ago, believe it or not. Remember the slider technology? The slider, remember that? You slide it, you get a keyboard. Oh, that's gonna come back. I just believe it with all my heart. But I, I get the privilege of mentoring a kid at a middle school in um, La Vista, and we're talking on Thursday, and all he's, he just turned 14. So all he's ever known was a smartphone. And I'm trying to tell him, I'm like, hey, Guess what, when I was your age, there, there wasn't even cell phones. So, what we, like, if we wanted to have a private conversation, like, dude, we, the phone was actually, it had a cord attached to it. It was weird. A little curly thing. And then that was attached to, like, a thing on the wall. And I'm like, if I wanted to talk to my girlfriend or have a private conversation, I would have to literally crank that phone around a corner, slam, like, the door on the cord, lock it, and then be like, yeah, you know, talking to my girl. Yeah, baby, no, I love you. No, I love you. No, I love you. No, I love you. No, you hang up. No, 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 you hang up. No you ain't. My sister's outside the door. Shut up. I don't care who hangs up. I need to call my boyfriend, you know? One phone, six kids, tied to a wall. Things have changed. Say things have changed. They've changed. Trendy. Things go in and things go out. Things go up and things go down. It's a crazy world that we live in. But here's what doesn't change. What we're talking about today. I'm convinced that in a trendy in a trendy world, the best things in life are timeless. In a Trendy World the best things in life are timeless. And this series, like if you if you're new, you can see all of our series on you, our YouTube channel or on our on our page, but we did a series called Alien. Some of you remember that. And in the series called Alien, we learned that this world is not even where we're supposed to be or forever. And this series timeless is almost a prequel to that series because we're learning that eternity is timeless and i haven't preached on this probably as much as i need to and i don't think a lot of people have because i'm convinced that we don't because we don't understand eternity we live differently today but here's what i want to tell you today how we what we understand about eternity impacts how we live today in fact the main point when you understand eternity it changes how you live today when you understand eternity it changes how you live today and I'll be straight up with you. People have a belief about what they, be, what they believe about eternity. Some people don't believe there's anything. Or just when I'm, when I'm dead, it's over. Most people don't believe that, though. Like, they did a study of just Americans recently. 81% of Americans. Now, now, 81% of Americans are agreeing on something. This is a miracle in and of itself. So 81% of Americans agree that there's a heaven. They agree on that. Of everybody that was in that poll, this Gallup poll all of them also added, they have no understanding or recollection or even conception of what that would be like. Like, I, I, I believe there's something good. There's something beyond this world. I just don't get what it is. So I need to dispel a couple myths for us today, right? Myth number one would be, heaven is this place of, Puffy clouds and floating and we're like an orb or if we do have something, we, maybe we're wearing a long robe and we're singing songs and there's angels playing harps and all this stuff. Cupid's maybe shooting people, but it doesn't hurt because you're in heaven, so it's all good. But we, we have this conception of, of, of heaven being this place that's just an, an abstract, like we're just kind of hanging out and, you know, kumbaya and, you know, and, and honestly, if that's what heaven is, it's, I got one word. Boring, that is not heaven. Okay, and you thought the Super Bowl was boring, right? Jeez. Hey, by the way, I'm th- I'm just I'm just thinking about this, just pray about this, but what if I got Nebraska like tattooed right here? I'm just, I just, it's kind of trendy, you know, whatever, but I'm thinking it would help keep me skinny, because nobody wants a, a, a belly tattoo, and then they, you know, I just, I think it would help, I don't know, I'm still praying about that, so that's a side note. So the myth is heaven is not what I just described. It is not like this place where you're just kind of abstract and a lesser version of where we're at today our best day. It's not that. The second myth is that, okay, pastor, say heaven does exist. Say there is an eternity. Okay, that's great, but I'm living here today. I've got bills today. I've got struggles today. I've got problems today. So even if heaven's a big deal or does exist, how does it impact how I live today? I'm telling you, it impacts how you live today more than you could ever know. And I'm going to show you this in God's word. I'm so excited about this. So again, when you understand eternity, It changes how you live today, and and, and it changes everything. It'll, It'll change your marriage. It'll change your singleness. It'll change your relationships, your kids. It will change how you think about spending your time and your money. It will change how you view suffering in your family or in the world. It will change all of that. And I'm convinced that a lot of people, me included a lot of days, will live a self-centered, uh, materialistic lifestyle because, we, because of our misconception of heaven. Like, we can't imagine heaven so we don't live for it. We can't imagine it so we don't live for it because it, it's hard to do. And the Bible even says it straight up in, in, in is it 1st or 2nd Corinthians? i got to look. 1st Corinthians 2.9. It says this, and this is, I think, in your notes on the bottom. For, but it is written... No eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor heart of the man can imagine what God has prepared for those who love him. We can't even imagine it. Turn to two people and tell them, if you only knew. Tell two people, if you only knew. This is the title that God has given us today. If you only knew. If you have a Bible or a mobile device with a Bible app, I'm going to ask that you would go to Revelation. If you don't have that, I'm, I'm, I'm going to walk through it nice and slow so you can you can really take this in. Revelation is the last book of the Bible. Most of Revelation hasn't even happened yet. It's going to. Some of it has. Um, Revelation, the, but to understand the, the, the last part of the Bible, we have to understand the first part of the Bible. So I'm going to go to Revelation chapter 21, verse 1. So you can kind of go there. And again, if you don't have that stuff, and we'd love to give you a Bible today, by the way, if you don't have one, just guest services. We would love, to, we'd love giving those away. Can't do it enough. Um, Revelation. But, but before I get to the last book of the Bible, I gotta go to the first book of the Bible because you gotta understand the first before you understand the last, right? So Genesis is the first book of the Bible. We looked at it last week, and God's creating the heavens and the earth. God's creating uh, people. God's creating animals. God's creating everything. And everything, he says is good, but God's good is perfect, Okay, anything God would create is perfect. So here's what, here's what you need to understand what people don't know about heaven. It existed in the beginning. See, Earth was, it was heaven on earth. It was perfect. Adam and Eve walking in the garden with God. He created us to do life with him. That was heaven. That's what it was. But something happened in Genesis 3, very early on in the Bible, that the, the devil, our enemy, would come in and tempt Adam and Eve, and they would sin. And sin separates us from God, and it fractured not only earth, but it fractured heaven. And we were never the same. And, and, and everything became skewed at that point on earth. So perfection was there. Genesis 3, it, it's fractured. And for the rest of the Bible, God is pursuing you with an unrele- with a relentless, unending love that you can't even imagine. That's what, that's what it's all about. And then, so now we're going to fast forward all the way to Revelation. We've set it up. We understand um, what happened in the beginning. And Revelation, so let me set this up. This, this, John, Jesus had 12 disciples, 12 really best friends that he did life with. John was the only one that wasn't killed for his faith. Everybody else was killed for their faith because they saw Jesus alive after the resurrection and they, they just went to town because of it. They're like, if he's dead and he's alive, I'm going to sell out to it. And, they, and eventually they were killed because of it but they're not complaining where they're at today, trust me. But I'll tell you this, one of them, John, wasn't killed. They tried to kill him. They boiled him in oil, didn't kill him. He probably might, maybe wish it would have killed him. I would think that would be painful. Because it didn't kill him, uh, the emperor cast him out on an island in the Mediterranean Sea called Patmos, and that's where John would die. But before John, the last disciple, died, uh, God would give him a revelation, hence the word, hence the name, hence the book. Say revelation. (laughs) Revelation, a revealing of truth. So God shows up to John, and, and it's so funny. God even says, tells John, write this down, John. Write it down. This is important. And this is what, this is what uh, God sh- not just told him, but showed him in, in, a, in, a, in an image. This is crazy stuff. In Revelation 21, God is giving John a picture of what's to come. And John says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and old earth, earth had disappeared. The sea was also gone. I saw a holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them. They will be his people, and he will be their God, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, and no more pain. All these things are gone forever. I don't know about you, but that sounds kinda good. To me, if you only knew, somebody shout if you only knew. If you only knew what God had in store. John's getting a picture and he's like, oh my gosh, this is unbelievable. And this is what I believe. If I can help us understand today, a glimpse of the, the real life that's waiting, it will drastically change your life. I promise you. I, I, and God says a lot about it. God says a lot about it. So in other words, I just, in Revelation 21.1, it said I'm creating a new heaven and a new earth. Remember when I said heaven and earth were fractured in Genesis 3? So God says I'm going to create a new heaven and a new earth. And he does it and the bible it just doesn't say it there i will give you scriptures jot them down isaiah 65:17 isaiah 65:17 this is in the this is 700 years before jesus was even born god talks to a prophet named isaiah and he tells him he's giving him a picture of salvation and he's giving him a picture of eternity and this is what he says Look, I'm creating a new heaven and a new earth. No one will even think about the old ones anymore. They won't even think about it. He's telling them that thousands of years ago. Then we'll go to the New Testament. This is after Jesus was born. It says, Peter, one of Jesus' best friends, writes this. 2 Peter 3, 13. 2 Peter 3, 13. Peter writes, but we are looking forward to the new heaven and new earth that he has promised. Anytime God makes a promise, you can guarantee it will happen. He's never reneged on one yet, and he never will. He promises it. There's going to be something new, a world filled with God's righteousness. And what's so key about this, because of the way we think about eternity, we think, again, in, in, the, in, the, in what we see in the movies, and we're going to meet Morgan Freeman up there. He'll be dressed in white. It'll be awesome. You know, but, but here's the key. There is an earth that's gonna be better than this earth. And heaven's gonna be way more familiar to you than you think, I promise you. So I'm reading a book right now called Imagine Heaven. Uh, the author's John Burke. And so this, this message is gonna be a little different. I'm gonna share this message through God's word and through stories that this guy has, has, has I guess, gathered over 30 years. He, he's, he's gathered stories of people that have been dead and then were alive. Right, they got brought back to life. Maybe they flatlined, they coded, and it's called a near-death experience. And he gathered stories for thirty years, and he picked the ones that he wrote about, and he made sure he picked people that could, couldn't gain anything by telling their story, because you know we got some crazy people out there. You know, you ever been to Meadows Church, dude? It's jacked up. It's messed. Turn to your neighbor, and tell him you're crazy. Tell him I'm crazy, and you're crazy, and your pastor he'd be crazy. So we're messed up. So people will make crap up all the time, right? But this guy is kind of ciphering through the crazy and saying, okay. For this guy to share this story, you have nothing to gain. You didn't write a book. You didn't get rich. I mean, in fact, if you share this story, it's, it's going to hurt your credibility. Those are the stories that he captured. And he shared a stat. It was nuts. He says that one in every 25 people have had a near-death experience. And I I, I have. I mean, I, it came, I came close. One time I forgot my anniversary, almost died. Seriously, it was bad. It was bad. November 8th, I'll never forget it again, sweetie. Ever. Ever. My gosh, you can get kind of mean. Um, anyway, so... Uh, <laughs> Point number one, listen to me. God will establish a new heaven and a new earth. God will establish a new heaven, it's not just a heaven, and a new earth. This is so key that you catch that. You've already gotten scripture on that, but, but let, me, let, me, let, let me read a story to you. This is a story, real quick. This guy who had a near-death experience, his name's Richard. Richard was a, a Jewish guy, and he died. I think it says a horrible car accident, so that's never good, but... Um. Here it is. So l- listen to this. Richard, a Jew, died a horrible car accident, leaving him with a broken back, a broken neck. He broke both his arms. Two ribs were punctured, punctured his heart. Um, wow, this is crazy. The medic said he had been dead for about eight hours when they found him. But Richard revived to describe the beauty of heaven and his new life found within. He also mentioned... Now listen to how he's describing heaven. It's, it's, it's earth. He's describing earth. He describes earthly attributes. He says, I can't begin to describe to you what I saw. I can't, I've never seen green grass like this grass in my life. It was so green, a green like I've never seen. Not only that, but the grass was alive. The flowers were alive. It, it, it was amazing. Remember that when, when Genesis 3 happened, not just humanity started to die, creation started to die. The trees were never meant to die. Neither were the flowers, neither was the grass. Never. Death impacts way more than people, it impacts all of God's creation. I was walking through a garden that stretched as far as I could see in either direction. I saw great gr- groups of people, he says, on either side, and the richest turf grass I'd ever seen. It was moving with life and energy. There were flowers in every imaginable size and color and path. The air was filled with their aroma, and they were all humming. The flowers were alive. I asked if I could pick one to smell, and I was told that I could. It was wonderful. When I put the flower back down, it was immediately replanted back in the ground and growing again. So, Jody, even you and I could keep plants alive in heaven. That's a miracle, because we can't do that. So, uh, you'll all have a green thumb. So, when I put the flower down, it was replanted. The beautifully manicured park was filled with huge, striking trees. Check it out. The trees had to be at least 2,000 feet tall. I had no idea what some of the species were. Others I recognized. There was a continual sound of chimes coming from the leaves on the trees as they brushed against one another. The fruit, the pear-shaped fruit that was on a particular tree was beautiful and copper-colored. When I picked it, the fruit instantly, another fruit instantly grew in its place. When I touched the fruit to my lips, it melted into the most delicious thing I had ever tasted. Okay, now come on. If fruit tastes that good, imagine how the ice cream will taste in heaven. I just can't wait. You know, but think about that. He's describing earth. He's describing grass and trees and people. It's going to be, listen to what somebody else said. I quote, you'll be pleasantly shocked to find that heaven is vastly more earthy and physical and real life than you ever imagined. Yet it's so beyond earth as well. It's amazing. It's a new heaven and a new earth. You will live on Earth, and Earth will be Heaven, and Heaven will be Earth. I can't describe everything because it says no. I they can't even describe it. A lot of the stories are like we don't even we can't even tell you everything because it's undescribable through a human or English language or any language. It's unbelievable. There's a new Heaven and a new Earth. Number two, you will never suffer again. Okay, we learned that from Revelation 21, the story that I read earlier. You will never suffer again. In fact, you'll be restored to who you were created to be. You you. And, and, and I'm telling you, I know there are people in here that you walk in here and you are struggling and you are hurting and life is real. And maybe it's emotional, maybe it's spiritual, maybe it's physical. I mean, we deal with pain. Am I right? Three weeks ago, I was walking out of my bathroom into my bedroom and I was, it was a brisk walk and I stubbed my toe so hard. Do you know the moment when you do that and the pain hasn't hit your head yet? Yeah, and you're like, in in that moment, you do it and you're like, and you're like, oh no, oh no, and you're waiting for the pain to come. During that, during that two seconds, I'm like, God, don't, I pray that wasn't even real. It was real. It was real. I was thankful that the kids weren't home. Jody wasn't home because uh, I said some things that pastors shouldn't say. Say, and I did some things that a pastor should, I mean, I'm rolling around. It was painful. I mean, so there was pain and, um, A fourth of my uh, foot actually turned black and blue, and it was nuts. And and guess what happened a week later? I I stubbed it again. Same toe. Same toe. I'd show you a picture, but you'd you'd probably throw up in your mouth. Uh, And plus, that's not working. So two reasons. But anyway, um, it was bad. It was hurting. Uh, One of the questions I'm going to have for God is, God, why why not a titanium pinky toe? Why not a titanium pinky toe? I don't get it. So, um, yeah, so you will never suffer again. I want to read you another quick story here. This is Crystal. Crystal, now, you want to talk about a life that's suffering. And I'm telling you, some of you will relate to this more than maybe you would like. But I'm telling you, when we face the pain that we've been through, God will take us to places that you've never been. And this woman, well, I'll just read it. Crystal struggled with God. She had a big problem with him. She struggled with her identity, struggled with shame, and for good reason. You see, there was sexual abuse that had started at age three. By a babysitter, in a babysitter's house. At age five, it happened again in the home of a different babysitter. But Crystal didn't tell anybody about it because she, she just wanted to shield her mom from the pain because her mom was enduring a lot. Her mom had been divorced, it says. Her mom remarried Hank, and things got worse. He had anger issues. He was always drunk. He became physically abusive to Crystal's mom. In fact, one night, while trying to scare her mom, Hank threatened to kill Crystal. So he pointed a shotgun at Crystal's head and shot right next to her head, barely missing her head. By age six, Crystal had watched two marriages fall apart and endured horrific sexual abuse. Her mom had given up and just started partying upstairs while Crystal hung out downstairs with uh, her brother. For, for, for five straight years, she was sexually abused even more during weekly escapades. And while it didn't happen every time, she remembers it happened a lot. Yet she didn't tell anybody The shame and the dirtiness and the brokenness that I felt became my identity. For years, she acted out a false identity, and something happened at age 33. She actually died. She went to the hospital with pancreatitis, and due to complications, she flatlined. She was dead for nine minutes. During the nine minutes, Crystal literally left her body um, and went to heaven. She stood before God. Crystal says the experience profoundly transformed her life. It was amazing. It transformed me to the very core of my being. She even kept the story to herself because she thought people aren't gonna believe this. It's crazy, I'm gonna, people are gonna judge me and shun me. Um, but listen to what she says, but God clearly instructed me to tell others what I remember from this experience. But I still hesitated. Crystal questioned why God had chosen her. Although she had grown up in the heart of the Bible Belt, been baptized um, and attended church, she never really understand why God would let the things happen to her that happened. So she turned her back on God, and she claimed she broke all of the Ten Commandments. Again, again and again, she challenged God to prove his existence. And when he proved it, she kept giving him more challenges, because she couldn't believe that a God of love could, could exist in a world that she had lived in. She says, I don't know how to explain it. I saw the hardships in my life as evidence that God had no interest in protecting me. Crystal questioned and cursed God. She was determined to to keep him out of her life. But when she coded at the hospital, something changed her. Not everybody goes through a tunnel. Some do. She didn't. She went directly to heaven. And after she told her mother she loved her when she was alive, she went and she awoke and found herself in a place where she felt love like she'd never felt it before. I was certainly aware that I just died. but But I was also... But I also was the me that I existed the moment that God created me. Unlike on earth, where I was plagued with doubts and fears and shame and hurt and pain in heaven, it was all immediately evaporated. I was absolutely certain about who I was. I felt love like I had never felt. All the baggage and abuse and muddied identity immediately went away. And I knew that I actually was the person now that God created me to be in the first place. See, she found her identity in the heart in 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 the in the arms of Jesus. See, what's amazing is we think that well when we go to heaven, we're gonna lose your personality, no? We're going to lose our sense of humor. Nope, God gave you that sense of humor. We're going to lose what we have today. No, 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 you're going to have the best things about you in heaven. You don't lose your earthly identity when you go to heaven. It's in heaven where you will actually achieve and become fully aware of who you were created to be. You weren't created to get your identity from anything that this world offers, nothing. Nothing. Not even who you're with. Not even your family. Not what you do. You're not created to get your identity from that. And certainly not from what's been done to you or what's been said about you. You were created to get your identity from your heavenly father and what he says about you. And he says you're fearfully and wonderfully made in his image. That's what he says. That is what your God says about you. And that's what Crystal found out in this moment fearfully and wonderfully made if you only knew if you only knew and and what I don't even touch on but I'll tell you you have a body in heaven you're not some floating orb you have a body in heaven but it's perfect say perfect no more push-ups no more squats no more lunges no more burpees no more treadmill can we give God some praise no more No more of that, God. You're so good to us. You eat all the ice cream you want. It's calorie free. In fact, you're losing weight and haven't eaten that. I love it. But you are not an angel. Listen to me. You're not an angel. Nor when you go to heaven will you be an angel. Angels are not people. People are not angels. Angels are not created in the image of God. Only you are. You know what they're created to do? Be messengers for God. Messengers of God. Angels and people are not the same thing. You will not be an angel in heaven. You will be a person in heaven with a personal God. And you need to understand that. You need to know that. The third thing, you will live with God and his family forever. Okay? You will live with God and his family forever. What is God? The Bible is very clear. God is love. Personified. God is love. And I don't care how deep of a relationship you have with your spouse or your kids or your boyfriend, or your girlfriend, you have not experienced true love until you meet your maker face-to-face and he envelopes you with his arms and you feel it. That's love, and that's what some people describe. Um, It's nuts. In fact, there's a story, you may be familiar with it, Heaven is for Real, it's a movie, it's a book. Actually, the dude, the dad was a Wesleyan pastor in Nebraska, and uh, his son, Colton, died at eight years old, went to heaven. And he describes these events that he saw, and they're thinking, you know, it's an eight-year-old kid, man. Maybe he's making stuff up. You know, kids and imagination. But then he started to say things that they knew he wouldn't know. Like he's like, Mom, I met my sister. I met my sister in heaven. She's like, Oh, your sister? Yeah. He goes, No, my other sister. And she's like, You don't have another sister. He goes, Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. I met her. She was she was older now. She was older in heaven. Interesting. And he says, Yeah, I met her. She she died in your tummy. And the mom was quiet and said, how in the heck? We, they never told him that. He had no clue. In fact, the mom and dad didn't even know she was a she. And she was. So I think about the people today who have lost children. Maybe, maybe children alive or children in the womb. Maybe, I think about the woman who's had an abortion. And I'll tell you something. God loves you so much. And God has a future and a hope for you. And I, I, I'll say it again. God, God doesn't shut the door on your path, on your future because of something that happened in your past. And if you're here today, God has not given up on you. And I'll tell you what: if that's happened to you, or you've done that, or you you you've made that decision sometime in your life, or someone you know has, I'll guarantee you, we either we either know some, we all know somebody. I mean, it's okay. You'll see that child again. That's good news. That is amazing. That is God, and He is so good. So so Colton describes that, and this woman in this book, this story might be the craziest that that I read. This woman marries an orthopedic surgeon. She goes kayaking and gets caught under the rapids. This is like my worst nightmare, you know, and it was hers too. She says, the nose of my kayak was lodged between two boulders. I was under feet, I was under the water by 10 feet. I felt the intense pressure of the water bending me forward at the waist. I, I couldn't get out. Listen to me, I heard my bones breaking and my ligaments tearing, but I didn't panic. At, at the point I completely surrendered to the outcome that God had. This is amazing. The moment that I asked God's will be done, I immediately and and very physically felt being held by Jesus Christ, and I was reassured that everything would be fine. I grew up in the water. I grew up around water doing everything, but I would always feared drowning. It seems so ironic that there I was with the rushing water, very aware that I was drowning. I always thought it'd be terrible and frightening that way to go, but I have to say at no point did I have any fear whatsoever. I never felt air hunger, I never felt panic. I'm a spine surgeon. I certainly tried to do the things that would free me, but honestly, I felt great. I felt more alive than I'd ever felt in my life. The very moment I turned to God, I was overcome with an absolute feeling of calm, peace, and a very physical sensation of being held in someone's arms. I knew with absolute certainty that I was being held and comforted by Jesus Christ, Which was initially surprising, as I am just an ordinary person, but just at the same time, I understand perfectly how Jesus could be holding me and comforting me, while simultaneously being present with other people as well. As Jesus held her, Mary had a thorough review of her life. This is interesting. After 14 minutes under the water, Mary's body was finally broke free from the kayak. She began to tumble through the rapids and experience a feeling of release. I felt as if I'd finally shaken off the heavy outer layer, freeing my soul. Mary felt her soul break through the surface of the water and rise above the river where she was, where she was welcomed by a committee of people. A great cloud of witnesses like described in Hebrews. I was immediately greeted with a group of people. People, um, I was never really quite sure what word to use to describe all this. Um, it, it, there's no word that I could say. Some, some were wearing robes. Some were just there to love me, some I recognized, but everybody was exploding with pure, pure love. It was a welcoming committee and I absolutely knew they were there to welcome me and greet me and make me feel loved and comfortable. They had physical bodies, they had heads and arms and legs just like we do today, but but the love that I felt, it's never existed before in my life. Again, it, it, it's unadulterated at the core level. My arrival was so joyous, cel- joyously celebrated, and the feeling of absolute love was so palpable as those spiritual beings, and I hugged and danced and greeted. The intense, she keeps talking about the love. Just don't get me wrong, I, I, I've been very blessed on earth, and I've experienced great joy on earth. I love my husband, I love my children, with great intensity. It's just that God's world is exponentially more colorful intense and vibrant so it, it, it's amazing to hear what she's saying and, and what's 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 key about her story is she says that god gave her glimpses not glimpses but a very quick review of her life you've heard it said well you know my life flashed before my eyes hers literally did so did many other stories that i read and i find that interesting because that's very biblical god says that we'll be held accountable and that we'll be given account it's romans fourteen twelve. listen to this Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. And another story, the very first story of the book, George, 20 years old, he says, I, I could see my life, at, at, all my life at the same time. He said it was crazy, you can't describe it. But he says at the very end, Jesus, who was with him, Jesus asked me the question, what have you done with the life I have given you? So he, we review our entire life, and then Jesus says, what have you done with it? But he says, Jesus didn't just say it like, what have you done with what I've given you? He says it was all wrapped in love. Like, what have you done with what I've given you? He said, I've never felt anything like it. And the Bible backs it up. Not only that, but did you know that you're rewarded in heaven? Like, heaven's not the same for everybody. Now, it's good. It's awesome for everybody. Don't get me wrong, but there are rewards. I think since you guys love ice cream so much, keep talking about it, I'll tell you, it's like going into Cold Stone and you get the coffee ice cream because that's God's favorite and you get that and you're eating that and then they say, you know what, sir, would you like some brownie with that? It's free. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'll take the brownie. That's awesome. Oh, you know what, sir? How about we mix in some fudge with that? Yeah, I like fudge. I'm getting rewarded, right? Sir, you're so good. We see how much you love people, um, you know, most of the time. And we, we, we want to give you some whipped cream on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll take some whipped cream on that. So it's good, but but then it's really good. So there are actually rewards in heaven for what we do on earth. It's interesting. I'll show you what God says about it. Check it out. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.10. 2 Corinthians 5.10, for we, we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in our earthly body. For those of you that send group texts, for those of you that cut me off in traffic, you will be held accountable. I'm just telling you, your time has come. Just kidding. So anyway, but it's what he says. Um, we will be judged for what we do. Matthew 16, 27. For the son of man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his father and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. What you do matters. How you live matters. Revelation 22:12 Look, I'm coming soon. Jesus says it, bringing my reward. With me to repay all the people according to their deeds. How we live today is going to impact how you live forever. When we understand eternity, it's going to change how you live today. I promise you, it has me, 81% of Americans, I told you, they believe in heaven. What if I told you of that Gallup poll? Less than half of them believe in hell. It's true. And I don't know if it's because our minds just don't want to go there and we think, well, God wouldn't do that. God's very clear in his word that there is a heaven and a hell. And and, and polls, opinion polls, really don't declare what reality is. But that's a fact. Eight out of 10 would believe in heaven, less than half believe in hell. Jesus actually talks about hell more than heaven in the Bible. I think he wants us to get a very clear picture. But he gives us a very clear path with very clear love. It is amazing. It is amazing. Since we're telling stories, I'll, I'll, I'll do one more quick one. Dr. Rawlings was working on a guy, 40 year old, dropped dead in my office doing a, during a cardiac, uh, a stress test. Three nurses rushed in, began doing CPR. Dr. Rawlings, Dr. Rawlings started to do an external heart massage on the guy to get his heart going while they did CPR. I had to, it, finally I had to insert a pacemaker into the guy, into his large vein. The patient began coming to, But whenever he reached for his instruments or otherwise interrupted the compression of the, the, the heart massage, the, to, the patient would lose consciousness. He would stop breathing. He would die once more. Each time he regained a heartbeat and respiration, the patient screamed, I'm in hell. I'm in hell. He was terrified and pleaded with me to, to help him. I am scared to death. I mean, here's this guy yelling about hell and we're trying to do CPR. I mean, but the, the episode, he, this is what the, the doctor said, it literally scared the hell out of me. After several resuscitations, the man pleaded, don't you get it? I'm in hell each time I, I die, each time I go, I go back to hell. And he finally tells the guy, please, please, pray with me. The Dr. Rawlings isn't a believer, but he says, you know, he goes, from my Sunday school early years, I, the guy was freaking him out so bad, he said, I wanted to do something. So I conjured up what I remember from Sunday school and I said, listen, he said, I didn't believe in God, didn't believe in Jesus, but I told him, just repeat, Lord Jesus, I ask you to keep me out of hell, forgive my sins, I want to live forever with you. The guy coded again and they finally brought him back to life. It says a few days later, I got to find my spot, a couple, day, a couple days later, Dr. Rawlings asked the patient to explain what he saw in hell patient could not recall any of the unpleasant events only the amazing ones that he experienced after he coded after they prayed so Dr. Rawlings gave his life to Jesus Christ through that experience because he couldn't believe that this patient would wake up in between going in and out of death and life and be screaming so frantically about hell and how bad it was and I'm convicted here now You know, if I believe in heaven and hell, if we believe in heaven and hell, wouldn't we live differently? Like, intellectually, your pastor believes in both. But if I'm to be honest with you today, I always tell you that there are days, I mean, I'm not praying for lost people like I should some days. But if that's true, what we're reading and what God's word is saying, wouldn't we, if we believed in those eternal places that are forever and ever, trillions of years? Wouldn't we? Wouldn't we pray for people that are distant from God all the time? Wouldn't we invite like crazy to the church? Wouldn't we share our faith every chance we got? Wouldn't we start to live differently? Wouldn't we serve our way into people's lives? Serve in our churches? Wouldn't we, like, instead of accumulating more and more and more, wouldn't we start to just say, how can I love more and more? And give more away? And spread the good news to anybody and everybody that doesn't know Jesus? Wouldn't I live differently? And I think it's the myth, the biggest myth of today, is this. And this is what the devil, your enemy, doesn't want you to know. What he wants you to believe today is heaven is the default destination. And that is just not true. In fact, I would tell you the opposite is true. Heaven is not the default destination. We just believe, well, that's just where we're gonna go. We're good people. No, we're actually not good people. We serve an incredibly good God. And I know this is true because Matthew 7, 13 and 14 says it. And when I was 10 years old in Catholic grade school and I asked Father Thury, my priest, do more people go to heaven or hell? And he quoted Matthew 7, 13 and 14. The road to heaven is narrow and rocky, if you find it. The road to hell, wide and easy, many go there. And I'm like, crap, that's not what I wanted to hear. It kind of changes things. I mean, it gave me a pit in my stomach. And then later in life, as God would call me to ministry, I believe I was called to ministry right there in my heart for lost people. And God told me later, he said, Monty, the road is narrow, but I can fit a lot of people on the narrow road. Go tell them about my son, Jesus Christ. it's, It's not hard. You just have to have faith. This is what the gospel of Jesus Christ is about. This life is temporary. Say, my life is temporary. Say it again. My life is temporary. It's temporary. This life. Your next life, it's timeless. It is timeless. The gospel of Jesus Christ, this is how we're saved. That Jesus, God, after Genesis 3, God put a plan in motion. I need to send my son. My kids need a savior. And Jesus is like, I'll go. And Jesus would go. And Jesus would come and die on a cross to take all your sin and all your shame and all your regret and all your past and poor decisions and nail them to the cross. That when you believe that that man died on a cross and he is God's son and that he rose from the dead, you will be saved. By faith, through God's grace, you are saved. And when you believe that and sell out to it, maybe somebody's never done that here. God, this, God God, never really speak to me like I hear him, but he speaks to me like I feel. Like this week, this is what he told me, I kid you not. He said, as you preach the message, what is, uh, tell the people, what is one thing you need to start doing and one thing you need to stop doing? And I can't answer that for you. I know what mine are. Some of you at the start is, is surrendering your life to Jesus Christ today to say, I commit my life to God, that you can be assured that heaven is your home. If if by faith you believe in Jesus Christ, that he died for you and that he rose from the dead, when you call on his name, you're saved. You don't have to earn that. That's the rewards you can earn by doing stuff. But to get to just to the beauty of heaven, it's by faith you are saved by nothing that you can do. Jesus already did it. So that's why you don't have to carry the shame or the guilt anymore. Give it to him. He died for it so you don't have to carry it. This is the gospel of Jesus. Commit it. Or maybe you've gotten off track and you need to recommit it. I don't care what you call it. Just do it and let us pray for you. We get one shot. One shot to make a difference in this world. One shot to reach people for Jesus. One shot to beg and plead with them. Don't live for this world. Don't live for the things it offers. Don't do it. What is one thing you need to start? And one thing you need to stop, based on the fact that this world isn't your home and that your, your, your home is yet to come, make sure you know where you're going. That is, that is number one. Call on the name of Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. And if you've got questions, come see me. If you got questions, come see our worship team, our prayer team, shortly. I don't care who you see. We want to pray with you and for you. Because I'm convinced of this. Two seconds after we get to heaven two seconds after we get to heaven, we will cry out and say, why, why did I waste so much time and energy on things that didn't matter? Why, why did I put all my focus on things that were so temporal? And and yet I know that there are people here today that you struggle and you're hurting and and we do want to pray for you and you need to know that and you're going through a difficult time and there's stress and you're overwhelmed and that's why God brought you here because he loves you And he wants you to come to him and fall at the cross, fall at his feet and give it to him. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. That's why he sent Jesus. But you need to know, and this is what he wants you to know if you're struggling. He wants you to remember this world is not your home. And when you breathe your last breath, You are not leaving home, you are going home, which is why we will never stop saying in this church, when you are in Christ and Christ is in you, the best is yet to come, it is, it is. He loves you, he loves you. I'm gonna pray for you, Father, I will thank you so much for your truth, your word. It is timeless, eternity is timeless. God, I'm telling you, I believe that people here, we don't, I, okay, I'll speak for me. I just, many times, I don't I don't live forever because I don't understand what it is. But when I understand your word, we will be with loved ones who love you. We will live in a world that we can't even hardly describe. It'll be a place where no more suffering, no more sadness. It'll be a place like earth, but yet beautiful and better. It'll be a place where we, we enjoy every day in the presence of you and loved ones. It's something that I can't wait, God. But until that day, we get one shot. Speak to your people. What is one thing we're gonna start? For somebody, God, I'm just gonna say it. For somebody, maybe you're calling them to sell out to the church and get on a dream team, a serving team. As we go to two services, God, I know we, 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 we wanna be your church to reach your people, but it takes people to reach people. And if you're calling anybody to do that, give them the courage to step forward or write dream team on their card. Whatever you tell them to do, God, may they do it. Or what do we need to stop so we can do things like that? What do we need to cut out of our life so we can start living on purpose for you and the world that's to come? I, I, I think of one last thing, God, in every story that I read, and every story that I know from these people and what you say, here's a common denominator in everyone. Everybody that had a glimpse of heaven, no one wanted to come back. Nobody wanted to come back. This world is not our home. The best is yet to come. But I'm telling you, unless we're in Christ, unless Christ is in us, unless we sell out to you and your good news and give our lives to you by faith, um, there is no hope, but when we sell out and surrender our lives to you, hope abounds, lives change, the world will never be the same. In Jesus' name I pray, and everybody says, amen.